0: This is a classic that I just don't get. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one, where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading, extract the important information, analyze the themes, and perhaps even give you my unbiased, unphony. Interpretation of the events that are occurring within. Today we have The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. So this book was published in 1951. It's about 230 pages in length. It took me about five hours to get through in total. It's a fictional coming-of-age story of a rebellious teen in New York City, set in roughly the same time period of the 50s. We follow Holden Caulfield, who has just been expelled from Pinty, which is an elite school, and he fills his time with activities, kind of illegal and otherwise, in the time leading up to his going back home and having to admit to his parents that he has been expelled yet again. So it's really a first-person narrative or a narration, and it follows this stream of consciousness. So it's very much exactly what is appearing in his mind and also the events, his description of the events that are occurring, very subjective and very self-interested as well. So before we get into the themes, I'm going to talk about the author and JD Salinger or Jerome Salinger. He was a very prolific for a period. So, when he was in his 30s, and this was right around the time of World War II, he was publishing a lot and immediately afterwards. And then he sort of became rec- reclusive after becoming a victim of this very book's success, The Catcher in the Rye, and stopped publishing as much. And there's a very storied history, but I won't get into that too much. Instead, let's focus upon the first theme, which is self-absorption, the result of not being a phony. So what the hell do I mean by that? Well, self-absorption was a very crucial pick of words in my case, because it's not necessarily narcissism that Holden Caulfield displays. He doesn't love himself in this kind of adoration factor, but he's definitely obsessed with himself. Everything that occurs within this book is all about him. And it seems like that's the only lens that he can view his life from and what is going on within his life. So if I jump now to page 168, we get a kind of taste of this feeling of this when he is out in the park, he doesn't really know what to do and he's thinking about going home. And so he says, I started thinking how old Phoebe would feel if I got pneumonia and died. It was a childish way to think, but I couldn't stop myself. She'd feel pretty bad if something like that happened. She likes me a lot. I mean, she's quite fond of me. She really is anyway i couldn't get that off my mind so finally what i figured i'd do i figured i'd better sneak home and see her in case i died and all i had my door key with me and all and i figured what i'd do i'd sneak in the apartment very quiet and all and just sort of chew the fat with her for a while so we can see this (laughs) really appearing here where it's it's very much i i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that uh she's gonna think about me oh but that's because she likes me a lot she's really quite fond of me says i i i i i now how this expresses itself in the book is a lot of complaining. There is just so much misery and complaining about all the things going on, but especially about phonies. And this that's the kind of real reason that he's he gets expelled and all these bad things happen. It's the phony's fault. Now there's this minor acknowledgement at times, so a slight introspection where he, he admits, oh, I'm crazy, I'm I'm mad, uh, I'm I'm even maybe of a lunatic I think he might say that but his expulsion his bad grades and everything but English his rudeness his getting into multiple fights in the in the book they're all the result of kind of phonies or they kind of just happen there's no reason for it there's no parts or actions on his part that result in all of this uh, in his own mind and so we see okay like he is just absolutely self-absorbed on 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 Holden Caulfield and all the things, everything that happens around the world is just part of his own world and it's a reflection kind of on him, I guess. And so, it's probably worth bringing up what is a phony. So, in his definition, a phony is a person who likes music, a phony is a person who gets good grades, a phony is a person who cares what other thinks, and a phony is a person who is friendly. (laughs) So basically, all of humanity fits under this definition. And I'm jumping over to here on page 136, where we see him going out with this girl, Sally, and then he's just describing what's happening at the time. So... At the end of the first act, we went out with all the other jerks for a cigarette. What a deal that was. You never saw so many phonies in all your life. Every, everybody smoking their ears off and talking about the play so that everybody can hear and know how sharp they were. Some dopey movie actor was standing near us having a cigarette. I don't know his name, but he always plays the part of a guy in a war movie that gets yellow before it's time to go over the top. He was with some gorgeous blonde and the two of them were trying to be very blase and all, like as if he didn't know people were looking at him. Modest as hell. I got a big bang out of it. Old Sally didn't talk much except to rave about the lunts, but she was busy rubbering and being charming. And then it just goes on and on about how this other jerk comes in and how this other jerk was doing this and blah, blah, blah. He was the kind of phony that has to give themselves room when they answer somebody's question. He stepped back. It's just so much about these bloody phonies. So... How, how does he view himself then? Because he is not a phony. He, he hates phonies and so he's not a phony himself. Well, his attitude, it's, it's kind of unique in a way because it's not as you'd expect from a self-absorbed person. He's, he's not particularly prideful. Um, I wouldn't even say he's, he's arrogant or, or stupid or autistic or any of these other things which you could maybe associate with someone who is living in this world of their own. It just seems that he has this inability for logical or pragmatic reasoning with interacting with the world or with other people. It seems like there's just something in his brain where he sees the downsides of someone or he sees the contradictions in life and instead of accepting them, he he kind of tries to fight against them or he... Not even fighting against them, he just can't tolerate them, and and so uh, it seems like maybe there's a wiring in his brain that's loose. Maybe there's just something like that's going on, and and he he can't relate. He can't fit in. I suppose is the main thing, and so. How does this display in not only his expression and his attitude, but his actions? What does a non-phony behave like? Well, he's a habitual liar. He is careless with money. He whines about Stradlater and smelly taxis and everything. He has random outbursts of crying. He's got erratic emotions, tending towards depression. He's cowardly, but also provocative at the same time. And he breaks promises immediately with little disregard for how this will make other people feel in particular with his uh, uh, breaking of a promise to Phoebe where she's really wanting him to go to this uh, this play of hers and Phoebe is his younger sister and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it, I'm g- going to be here and then you know, 20 or 30 pages later, he's decided he's going to run off somewhere and he writes her this letter explaining his decisions to write run off and not even caring, not even being sorry about the promise that he is now breaking. It's kind of just like, oh, I won't be able to make your play just just wild and so I'm going to go to page 135 here so this is the page before him complaining about phonies right so this is him on his date and so he's talking about how he's in the, in the cab and goes twice when the goddamn cab stopped short in traffic I damn near fell off the seat those damn drivers never even look where they're going I swear they don't then just to show you how crazy I am when we are coming out of this big clinch I told her I loved her and all it was a lie of course but the thing is I meant it when I said it I'm crazy I swear to god I am Oh, darling, I love you too, she said. Then right in the same breath, she said, promise me you'll let your hair grow. Crew cuts are getting corny and your hair's so lovely. Lovely, my ass. <laughs> like, he's just, he's the biggest phony of all. He's just lying out of his ass here and there. He's saying that he means it, but he doesn't actually mean it because he's cause he's crazy and he's like, you know, at the time I meant it, I swear. But it's just, he, he's a phony himself. Like, he is just a big fucking phony. And it, not only that, but he behaves worse than all of these other phonies who at least aren't getting in fights, randomly crying, breaking promises, uh, being a whiny little bitch about everything. Like, Jesus Christ, I, it's, so, it's so bad. Uh, I'm well into my own observations and takeaways. Uh, if you haven't gathered it by this point, I don't like him. I do not like the character of Holden Caulfield. This taints my view of the book for sure. Because I just see nothing redeeming in him And nothing even connective I get this I, I like I like being rebellious too I also am weird for kind of weird sake And many times as well But the linking between that and him Is just there's something Great, there's a big gulf At least I hope there's a big gulf between me and him Because if I behave like him Jesus, I, I, I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry everyone um, The The other thing I didn't understand this and getting right I suppose, to the the point I made right at the start of the video or the audio. The, this I, I don't get why this is a classic. When I was reading kind of reviews of it or just trying to get an interpretation of what other people thought of it, you know, it's all about this coming of age, this time period of uh, this righteous rebellion, this innocence that is broken, this existential angst that you feel as a teenager. I, I just don't see it. I do not see how... Any of that connects with this character of Holden Caulfield. I get it if maybe in the time, you know, it was very restrictive after World War Two and uh, everyone was in this sort of military mindset or something like that. I get it, but the book doesn't highlight that. The book just highlights a random kid being a fucking asshole and, you know, messing with people's emotions and, and just being, in general, a troublemaker and, and uh, causing strife for all those around him. Now... If he's mentally ill, that's fine. But, you know, then, then he's mentally ill and society might need to do something about that. So all of this combined and then the other the other factors, the the style of, of this is just not my favorite. It's, it's very repetitive. So if I jump over to here to page 179, 180, he's uh, with old Phoebe in her room and he's chatting with her. And um, basically, I just noticed what a stupid haircut somebody gave her. It was way too short. None of your business, she said. She can be very snotty sometimes. She can be quite snotty. I suppose you failed in every single subject again, she said. Very snotty. It was sort of funny too in a way. She sounds like a goddamn school teacher sometimes and she's only a little child. And then he's just going on to you know, talk with more, her and, and more. There's a couple of things you might have noticed in there. The, the slang was also very repetitive. So not only was she was very snotty. She's a snotty, you know, that, that sort of thing. But also goddamn old Phoebe, all the time in the book, he's talking about how he necked her. So, you know, this is the old way of saying he kissed someone. That killed me. That knocked me out. Um, I gave her the time, which is a a way of expressing sex. It's not the slang that bothers me. There's slang from all sorts of periods and times. It's just the repetitive nature of it, just is littered throughout his speech in the book. It is just nonstop Ding, 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 ding. And Maybe it's down to the, the character himself and, you know, emulating what a 16-year-old would would say and think and feel. But I'm just unsure as, this, as if the writing itself is even any good. It kind of reminded me of Fifty Shades of Grey, which I thought was an awful, awful book. And because it's kind of the stream of consciousness of a 16-year-old and there's there's just a lack of, understanding of, of the world of of this whiny nature of everything happening to them. Maybe it's the self-absorption because I have read other books of teenagers and it doesn't bother me as much as this one but just something about it something about Holden Coldfield really pissed me off. So in summary if you want a whiny self-absorbed kid you've got the right book. Uh, maybe this resonated with the time and the people of the, that time and this rebellious nature and things but I feel no connection to Holden, nor his predicament, nor his way of life. And I really struggled to take anything of value out of this book other than just, wow, some people are sure as hell whiny and learnt a little bit of slang from the 1950s. Uh, Maybe he needs some phoniness because phoniness in this case seems to describe people who better than him in many many ways and uh, i just really see no positive aspects for him as uh, and his situation and then stylistically wise the book just really didn't do anything for me so overall um i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of ten the catcher in the rye by jd salinger look give it a shot if you want but i personally can't be recommending it and if you follow my recommendations at all that's that's it there for you (laughs) make that of, of that what you will and that is it for today, my mere Lights. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on the catcher in the rye of J.D. Salingo, Salinger uh, and of Holden Caulfield? Is it just me? Like, is it just me who think he's a whiny, self-absorbed little brat? Uh, I'd I'd love to know all of these things. The best way to do that is by sending in a Boostergram. A Boostergram is a comment that you can make within the actual podcasting app of your choice if it has the functionalities of also uh, sending a portion of Satoshis, i.e. Bitcoin, along with that. Uh, It's a way of helping support the show. There's very many... Costs that are associated with running this, with hosting this, of time and effort and energy, of, of all of these things. And any support that you get is is very much appreciated because that is the only way I want to uh, receive money from this. I don't want to do sponsorships. I, I do the value for value model. Anything that you took a value from that and you want to send back, you can do. You can also show that many other ways, such as giving me book recommendations, such as uh, sharing this with a friend, such as highlighting points I may have got wrong. wrong in this so I can, um, you know, do some annotations maybe and, and, uh, fix that up, uh, in the, in the post process and things like that. Uh, All of these are very, very beneficial and you will never hear me promoting or talking about a book which I had no interest, I suppose, in in learning about in the first place. Um, And unfortunately, I just just get them wrong sometimes. (laughs) So all of that would be very much appreciated. I would recommend going on to newpodcastapps.com to see any of the ones that you can help support from. And I really do hope you're having a non-phony day wherever you are in the world. Better not be any phoniness. And until the next time, Kyron, out.